you're going to see a lot of bayou imagery. You're going to see um, some alligators and some swamp rats and things like that, which I'm excited to, to work with. Hello and welcome to Fuck Ya, yeah, the podcast where we say fuck ya yeah to the creative process. I'm Sarah and I am joined by my very smiley and upbeat co-host <laughs> today, Robin. Yeah, that's weird. I didn't know I was coming off that way. That's nice. That's unusual. <laughs> it must be because we're going to the spa later. We are. I cannot fucking wait. I know. It's- we're overdue and yeah, I just want to sit in some hot, hot water and get scrubbed. You know, in many cities do not have Korean spas like Los Angeles has Korean spas. I feel like I'm always trying to proselytize about the Korean spa. There's something so special about it. Mm-hmm. Like it feels luxurious, but it also mm-hmm. feels very accessible. Oh, you're just like naked with a bunch of other women of all ages and sizes and shapes. And there's something so comforting about it. And it's more of like a community space. Not that you're having like social circles, but it is a place where you can go and quietly talk with your friends and maybe even talk with other people. And there's all these different rooms where you could nap or just sit or do all these different things. And then if you wanted to, you could get services. But like the fees just to get in are are pretty low considering, I think, the incredible benefit that you get out of the place. So yeah, it's like more of a place where you can, you go and you spend hours and hours and hours there and they expect you to. It's amazing. Yeah. And the signature experience at the spa is that there is both hot, there's lots of different forms of hotness, you know, like um, hot water, you can soak in steam rooms, dry saunas, you know, sometimes there'll be like a Himalayan salt room you can go into Mm -hmm. that's heated, mugwort soaks, but then you also do cold dips Mm -hmm. and you get your skin scrubbed off. So the Korean scrub is an intense skin shedding experience that just feels so I mean your top layer of dead skin gets taken off and it's so smooth it's beautiful it is our happy place yeah yeah Thank you a fuck yeah Robin okay so actually I have a fuck yeah based on our last episode after we talked with Ro Rose mm-hmm. they had said something that really stuck with me and it was kind of we were talking about this self-expression stuff which really ties in with what we're going to talk about today and like the mm-hmm. creative process. With Ro, they said that after they do a session where they're really focusing on other people and their needs, they always follow that with some art time, some of their own creative self-expression. And that's how they kind of decompress. And mm-hmm. that really stuck with me. We had that conversation. I just kind of learned this thing that the opposite of dysregulation is self-expression. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to really lean into that. And when Rose said that, I was like, wow, that's so interesting. And after that, I started doing a cross-stitch project that I've been wanting to do for a while, but I've been kind of like hemming and hawing on. And cross-stitch is like this thing that I love because it is so maniacally detail-oriented and repetitive in this way. It takes so long to make one. Every movement you make pushes you forward a millimeter, a micrometer, you know, and that kind of project, like putting the drops in the bucket one at a time is the kind of project that really does it for me when I'm in the working part of creativity, not the thinking part, but I love getting past the thinking part and getting into that part where you're just doing the same thing over and over again, like knitting and crocheting gives that. And now that I know a lot more about ADHD and stimming, And I know what stimming does for the brain and how, particularly when you're using both of your hands to make something, it it has this relaxing left-right type of thing that calms your brain. And so I started this cross-stitch project, and it's something that I've actually gotten made fun of for in the past. And and I realized that I've been avoiding cross-stitch because someone made fun of me for doing something so repetitive and boring and time-wasting, quote-unquote. 
But now that I'm viewing it as not only a form of self-expression, which is regulating me, and it's also a form of stemming, which is helping me get out all of that energy. So I've been each evening, the last thing that I do is I'll, you know, have a TV show on that I'm not even watching. It's just kind of in the background. I'm smoking weed and I'm cross-stitching. And my mind, I realize how fast it goes because then once I start cross-stitching, it gets so quiet. I'm doing something that you would think I would be, my mind would be spinning, but it everything really slows down. I think the TV being on helps also because it kind of keeps that busybody part of my mind busy. And then I'm just doing one stitch at a time, back and forth, flipping it, turning it over and seeing this little design that I made slowly. It reminds me of how pictures used to download on AOL, like one line at a time. I'm doing it that way. And I am also doing it as it's going to be a gift for someone who may or may not be in this room. (laughs) We're not even in the same room. Um, And so it's also this nice way of like, I've been focusing more on my discernment and where I'm putting my creative loving energy, you know, so it's just nice to have it all wrapped up in this package that really does calm me down right before bed and help me be able to sleep without my brain running a mile a minute and obsessing over things that I can't control or change, (laughs) you know, so that's my fuck yeah, cross-stitching, stimming, self-expression. I love this. Two things come up. There was a question back in our listener questions episode last season where someone asked about ADHD hacks. Mm -hmm. So I'm like putting a little asterisk right here. Like this (laughs) might be a little ADHD hack because also Mm -hmm. I've heard that like having something going in the background, having noise from other friends who have ADHD, that that's Mm -hmm. just a helpful grounding thing to have Mm -hmm. around. And it also just made me think of the, do you remember the supersize cross stitch that you did of the penis? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> we have to find a photo of it and post it. Because oh yeah. We did an installation for, was it masturbation May or? It was spring. It was sprung. It's Spring, spring is, is sprung, sprung or something. Yeah. And you did like a, I want to say seven foot tall yeah. cross stitched penis and it was yeah. So fabulous. Thank you. I forgot about that. Yeah. That was fun. That's just another example of you giving me fun work. <laughs> you really like for decades, it feels like you just hand me really awesome work. That that was hilarious. Yeah, I did it on like chicken wire yep. to get like the squares big enough and used yarn and then it hung outside the pleasure chest. That was awesome. Yeah, we should find a picture of that. that was it awesome. was really great. <laughs> Speaking of blasts from the past. Uh-huh. You want to give listeners an idea of who is coming on the podcast today? Oh, yeah. So Sir is going to be on today, who is my longest best friend from, I mean, we've been together for like 23 years now. We actually met at the dungeon that I used to work at when I was like 19 or 20. And we have gotten into so many shenanigans, done performances. We did performances at Shotgun at the party that you used to run. And oh, I've been in a lot of her music videos and stuff like that. And we've just been making mischief together for a long time and supporting each other's weird, creative and kinky habits and things. So it's really exciting to have Sir on today. And Sir made one of my favorite songs ever, our intro. (laughs) So gracious to uh, spend their creative energy on it. So I still love that song. Like I thought we were going to replace it every year, every season, but it's just like it suits us so well. I hope you guys like it. We'd love to hear what you think of the song. But we're having the auteur on today of our theme song. Yeah, Sir is a queer multimedia artist who performs Mm -hmm. music as she, her, sir, Mm -hmm. and just started releasing some new music this year. So I'm really excited to talk to Sir about what she's got going on. Blowing up Spotify right now. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the music videos are Mm -hmm. Mm. so lush and good. And I don't know, I love music Mm -hmm. and I don't know a lot about how music is made. So I actually want to ask Sir a little bit about like process. And I know that Sir does some stuff electronic. I'm just like, I am such a layman when it comes to music. So I'm going to ask some of those questions. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get Sir on. 
Hi, sir. Hi. We're so excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. Hey, um, so we want to start you off with some uh, warm-up questions, because warm-ups are important. Cool. What's him inspiring you right now? What's like a person, a thing, a city, perhaps? What's given you inspiration? You know, I think it's like the inspiration is getting back to self. So oh, it's yeah. about like... Um, like a death and a rebirth. I'm very mm-hmm. interested in where I'm at now versus where I've been and where you are now versus where you've been. That's everybody who I meet. So uh, transformation, I think. Yeah. Ooh. It's very transformative time, I feel like. All right. Who was your first celebrity crush? Ooh. Brooke Shields. Brooke, Brooke Shields? Yeah. <gasps> oh, the eyebrows. Oh, okay. What was it? I don't know. But I remember watching like a late night movie, you know, the kind that you're not supposed to watch while my mom was sleeping, like really on low and because it was like a sexy scene. Mm -hmm. And then like I can replay that sexy sex scene in my mind. But you don't remember the movie? I don't. Was it young, Brooke Shields? Because what's so interesting about what's come out recently is just like how sexualized she was from Mm -hmm. such an early age. So then she was kind of in that box of like, just always being sexualized. Yeah. It must have been like the early 80s. So we're talking like okay. 80, 80, between 80 and 83. So wow. she's she's a grown person at this point being sexualized. <laughs> no, I love that. Brooke Shields. I'm going to look it up and see if I can find that. Do you remember anything specific about the sex scene? Yeah, it was doggy style. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing it down. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> Do you still conjure that up as a, like part of your sexual mixtape? Yeah, well, I don't really have mixtapes that I that I think about right now, mm-hmm. like in the middle of like sexual encounters. But when I start to think about all of the mixtapes that I've had, then yes. Yeah, yeah. As they run through like the Rolodex, it's definitely up there. Love that. Yeah. What was your first mode of masturbation? Oh, I would, uh, my hand. How old do you think you were? I was very, very young. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like really young, three, four, five. And I used to, God, I hope like my sisters never listened to this, but (laughs) I used to sort of like hug on the back of my dad's chair and then I would like hump it, but in front of the whole family. (laughs) And so... And so, but it's like before I could pronounce really anything. So instead of, they were just, they would call it swinging on the back of dad's chair, but mm-hmm. I would call it winging. Oh, yeah. I couldn't say swing. So yeah. really humping was your first mode. Yes. And sometimes my sisters will be like, remember when you used to swing on the back of dad's chair? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And you absolutely do. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah it felt good. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, no. <laughs> I love that. We have so many early humpers. Like if people started or recognize that they started masturbating at a really young age, like a prepubescent early childhood age, it's almost always humping. And I think with all of the knowledge that we have now about the clitoris covering, you know, the entire vulva area, it's like it makes so much more sense. And I'm like, you know, I want to bring humping back. I, mm-hmm. I don't think I ever, I really did it. And now I'm like trying to institute out. it. Well, yeah. I'm trying to like make up for lost time now. It's like oh, definitely good. my, my self-love repertoire where I'm like, all right, maybe I should do more than just like smash this vibrator into my clitoris. <laughs> our listeners know because of our intro that we did that you wrote our theme song. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. That was fun. It's one of my favorite songs. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It, it will eventually become like a full track. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. It's raw. It's good. It's just like everything we want. It's raw. It's dirty. It's synthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's perfect. Cool. And then, you know, you're just such a great musician. I appreciate so much that you lent this song and your creativity to us. Yeah, if you ever want to revisit it. Yeah, you totally. Let us know. It's such a generous offering. It's really, you know, when we started the podcast, I think we had a little kernel of a vision and Mm -hmm. we fed some of that to you and then you just nailed it musically. And now we've gone on such a journey with like, it's become something really different than we imagined it to be. Mm -hmm. And the song still 
has the essence that we need. And that's, I don't know. It's like one of those amazing things about music. Like I am not very musical. We did a game night for my birthday this year. And one of the games was humming Mm -hmm. and I had to hum. I want to dance with somebody from my group. I mean, we ran the clock down. They were like, what (laughs) on earth are you possible? There's no song that this could be. And it's like, that just feels like one of the most <laughs> like not like that was, it was a very recognizable song. I'm not very musical, but I love music because I think of it. I don't know, maybe like tarot where it can have an essence mm-hmm. that's so universal. So the mm-hmm. song has just gone on that journey with us. And I just want to say out loud how much I appreciate that offering that you gave us. Cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I like it a lot too. I think it has a lot of potential. So I always thought I would go back and make it like I have some ideas. Make it, we could dance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd love to dance that out at a golf night or something. What is your (laughs) magical mix? How do you make these? What's your process? You know, a lot of it is like kind of throwing spaghetti at the walls at first. I do have to have like an emotional feeling. So sometimes for me, if I start to write something just out of wanting to perfect songwriting or vocals or something like that, then it never sort of actualizes as much as if like I kind of just sit down like a singer songwriter and start with just like keyboard and vocals or guitar and vocals. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, once I get an idea, then I'm like, oh, this is going to be, this has potential. And then I can keep going with it. Something like Howling was really easy. That, that, just came together in like an, a day, actually, um, as far as the song itself. And then I, I labor over putting all the parts together, you know, mm-hmm. the mix and the mastering. But then something even just like the snippet for Fuck Yeah kind of took forever. And right. I think that I was thinking about it for a while. And then I'm thinking of like, I th- it's like a commission in one way where I'm mm-hmm. sort of like, I want to please you, but mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure where to begin and then as soon as I get hits, so I was like thinking on it and trying things kind of, I knew, I knew I had a deadline, but I knew the deadline was far away. <laughs> so I would try stuff and I'd be like, meh. And then, I, and then I'd send you something so you'd know I was working on it. And then I'd be like, meh. <laughs> and then it came together in like two hours. Like once mm-hmm. it comes, it comes, right? Yeah. But a lot of it has to have emotion. And then once I have the emotion, then I can start to work on the things that I want to work on just as like a songwriter. So like right now, I've really been working on songwriting where, you know, historically I've been a bass player and really just like a part player. So now that I'm doing all of the instruments, it makes me want to perfect things that I'm not very good at. You Mm -hmm. know, like how do I tick all the boxes of creating a song? And then Mm -hmm. how do I break out of habits that or habits and progress, or how do I sing better? How do I play keyboard better? Things like that. And I, and it, and it is a collaboration. Um, the final project, there's a drummer that I used to play with in a band called state to state mm-hmm. and he left that band and started doing electronic stuff. And so I program all my own beats, but at the end, when I have the song, I send it to him. And then he actually, I think what makes the song stand out is he actually plays drums, even if they're electronic. So it has mm-hmm. like a really electronic kind of like a playable feel, you know? Mm. Okay. I have, I have more questions about this because I totally get the process around creating other types of art but I need to know more <laughs> about <laughs> the secret sauce because Ruby is starting to play music. Mm-hmm. And just a couple of nights ago, she sat on the sofa as I was making dinner and she wrote a song. And awesome. I was like, what? You know, and she had kind of a melody already. And but for her, I mean, she's eight, right? So she's starting with the words. Like that's really what she's mm-hmm. focused on. But she clearly in her mind had the instrumentation kind of playing out. So Mm -hmm. when you say that you start with a feeling, do you then take that and start trying to put words to it? Or do you start playing with notes? And like, what instrument do you start with? I'll either start with keyboard or guitar. So I started playing guitar when I was like really young, like eight or 10. So I kind of know that better. But I've been doing a lot of writing just with keyboard. I kind of just start playing and singing at the same time. And then I have a bank of like words or lyrics that Mm -hmm. I can choose from. 
So when you're singing, yeah. you're singing like lyrics. So it's not just like babble yeah. singing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like like there's journal, there's lyrics. And then in my previous project, I would collaborate with that. So then I had like a bigger bank of lyrics. And I like collaborating with lyrics as well. Even for Howling, it was co-written lyrically. So then I just have like a bank of words I can choose from to help piece the song together. Mm-hmm. I think that this is such a interesting moment that we're in where art is being created remotely. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just like corporate work that's happening remotely. So I'm fascinated by this. Okay, you get something to a certain place and then you send it off and not like you're in a room. For me, I would imagine that you need that kind of like energy exchange of the other people. But you can't like, what is it like to collaborate remotely? Well, I think that like Mike, who I've been playing with, I do have that. I had a few years of playing with him in the same room. So I trust his instincts. And then we we also he has a very good way of working with me, like as a producer, especially like with vocals, because I'm not a very confident vocalist and a very strong vocalist. So he has a way of bringing stuff out of me without making me feel bad about like some things that's not working. And I genuinely like what he does. And then I can make suggestions for him to change things or bring things around in the mix. But we have that chemistry of playing live together. And for We All Want to Feel Better, I actually incorporated another person from that band, Andrew, um, to also bring in some guitar for me. That's the only track on the album so far that has any other because I played all the guitars except for like a little ethereal and what I told Andrew he's like give me some notes and I said because the songs we all want to feel better he's like I was like Andrew I just want you to listen to it and what you add I just want it to make me feel better I just want to feel better and he was Mm. like got it (laughs) so I want to actually play we all want to feel better because first of all, something that I wanted to tell you is I do think that your vocals are really evolving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I hit play on We All Want to Feel Better for the first time and I was like, oh, I love the vocals. And usually I feel like with your music, you get hit with a, a wall of sound from instrumentation. So um, nice job. Let's play it. The sun
I want to know what I'm hearing. What are all of the instruments that are here? Um, there's keyboard and vocals, and that's just kind of how it started, was with keyboards and vocals. And then um, drums. And then another keyboard. And then I did do some guitars in there, and a lot of my guitars um, do have a lot of effects. They sound like keyboards. Hmm. Yeah, that's it. Believe it or not, I'm trying to keep it really simple. (laughs) When you are writing, are you thinking of performing it live? Because when you said two Mm -hmm. keyboards, I'm like, well, what is that? Does that mean that you have to have two keyboardists when you play or that you have some of it on a track? Like, how does that work? That's a great question. And I've never been able to perform live my previous projects because I didn't know how. Mm -hmm. And this is designed to perform live. So I kind of set like some standards that like if I don't have it within my capacity, like I have everything that I need to make music, even if I have nothing, right, except this microphone and like a, like a computer. Mm-hmm. And so everything can be performed live. I would prefer to have live drumming. It would be very hard to do it without Mike as my drummer because it's such a combination of acoustic and electronic drums, which he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but not impossible. Um, And he does not want to play live. So (laughs) he's like, I'll record forever. So we have to keep this in our headphones for the foreseeable future. So what was the feeling that you started with, with this song? I think it was just like a collective feeling of just what's happening in the world right now. And I think the word we is important because it's not written for one person in particular, mm-hmm. but about sort of like this longing or this feeling that I, I feel like a lot of people who were close to me, including myself at that time, just had just a desperation Mm-hmm. just a sheer desperation to feel better. And that extends out to like even what's happening into the world today and that how isolated a lot of people are in that feeling of wanting that. Yeah. And so it's sort of just like a, a release and a cry, but it's it's an all-encompassing of everyone. Yeah. Well, I think that this is the misconception or the thing that I was waiting for was, oh, it's going to get better. Like this is things got so crunchy Mm -hmm. for so long and like it's gonna a valve is gonna release and what we've actually seen is no it's just gonna continue to evolve and be difficult and oppressive in new in new and um creative ways (laughs) it's not getting better so yeah Yeah. it is it feels very much of this time and all times right Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you really drill down into whatever kind of volatile situation, that tends to be the core thing that you get to, is that everybody's just trying to get some kind of relief from whatever they're going through, you know, and then we all kind of react or express ourselves in whatever fucked up kind of way in order to get that, or sometimes healthy ways. (laughs) But it's hard. It's so hard. Yeah. And like, I mean, I'll speak you know, specifically for myself, like sometimes when you're having like this moment of desperation, it's like everyone else like oppressing, you know, Mm -hmm. and really it's just about, first of all, everybody's just so like a product of their own like trauma or Mm -hmm. whatever they're going through that it's just once you can like have compassion, then it's hard to take it personally. And I think that has to like coming like true to like spirit and just recognizing everybody is just like quite wounded and we might need to put up little walls to prevent that from affecting us sometimes but we're all just we all just want to feel better yeah yeah we're, <laughs> for real everybody hurts sometimes. <laughs> it'll be the new the new one we do a video of you walking yeah. across the cars in los angeles <laughs> So speaking of videos, when I think about you performing, it's got to be visually compelling. Whenever you've had the opportunity to add visual elements, it's always really interesting. You've made some of my favorite music videos, (laughs) some of which I've been featured in. Um, But so with Howling, which you just released, which is an Mm -hmm. awesome song. I love all the, you know, I love dark synth. Um, But you made a different kind of video this time. Because you're now in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And this video is just like so visually, it's a visual feast. 
Mm-hmm. And especially for queer folk, it's just like, it's, it's, you know, good noms. It's very delicious. So noms. can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about the process? Because it looks like you got all the coolest queers in New Orleans together in almost like a circus. It's a really wonderful video. Can you tell us about how that came about? Yeah, let's play a little bit of it right now. Don't worry about me. I'll always be Just like a little backstory is like I really ran away from South Louisiana, you know, being a queer Mm -hmm. kid here in the 90s, it was not very warm and welcoming. And I had to leave. I went to boarding school in in Florida when I was 14. um, And that saved my life military boarding school. So whoa. How did it save your life? I just remember like a lot of the trauma of being a queer kid and not having any friends and like Mm -hmm. a desperate need to just want to be included in something and just not because it was seen as weird. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my dad would always tell me, are you going to wear that? Mm -hmm. All the problems you're having is because uh, you don't look like the other girls, things Mm -hmm. like that. And when you go to boarding school, everybody's the weird black sheep, right? And so it wouldn't have been necessarily a group of people that I was chosen to be my friends, but it was the first time that I ever had friends and I got to be out Mm. of Louisiana. And I just wanted so far to not be here and to run away. And, you know, I come from like the bayou. It's very, it's not educated. And so like, I've I've always been like a late bloomer because I've been trying to keep up, right? And Mm -hmm. I didn't come from a family of education. And so like, I've just been trying to keep up. And so I think throughout the process of transformation, you know, during that dark time, I really learned the power of disassociation to survive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and while that's a really great survival tool, um, it just wasn't serving me anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I started to just kind of go home in a literal sense, um, also too in this process of coming to self. And so I came back to New Orleans, which is a very special place. I mean, there's music all over the streets. Mm. You know, I'm Cajun. My grandparents only spoke French. And then I started to really see like the historical trauma of the area Mm -hmm. of just Mm -hmm. like great expulsion Mm -hmm. from when they had to, you know, my ancestors had to leave Nova Scotia. And I mean, there's a whole story there, but just like when they made a law in schools here in the 1930s that you couldn't speak French, like my family lost their language, right? You were Mm -hmm. really discriminated against. Um, And so we were just Bayou people in the South, right? And Mm -hmm. so coming home to that, I get to see what like a rich culture it is and just kind of Mm -hmm. how important it is to be a part of that culture and sort of like own it as well. Um, And so when I was here, um, there's this club, it's a queer, it's an Every, everything kind of club, but it's called the Always Lounge and Cabaret, and they do a lot of drag shows. And I found a director here who had worked with another band who um, was super pro and lovely to work with. His name's Hennen. And I, I was telling him about this idea of transformation and, and sort of the party, right? For the last 20-something years, I've really been fueled by the party and the spirit and the community and the wildness and drinking and creating environments, right? And so how do I how do I sh- show this and tell this story but also that like it's not serving me right now, right? Mm-hmm. And that like it's a it's like a moving on or like how do I let it how do I continue but in a way where it's paying tribute and it's almost like a second line to escort me out, right? Mm. <laughs> And so actually casted and featured is my niece. So all of my work is going to include a piece of my family. And um, I got to look closer now. I did not notice. (laughs) Yeah, it's my niece who is casted as like my younger self. And so she's the one that's with me and where we both are screaming together. And she's the Mm. one that's on the stage performing. And so 
I just kind of found this beautiful group of people here. And they're so excited. Like the thing that about being in New Orleans is there's a pool of creative people mm-hmm. who are in it for the love of doing it, right? So they're artists. For, that's art for art's sake. It's very easy to be an artist here, to be a working artist here. Mm. And everybody just had their own strengths and talents. And so I had this idea of what I wanted to say, but I'm not a director. And so... I basically hired my friend Daviel. I was like, here's my ideas. Can you execute this for me? Um, and she was like, fuck yeah. And so. <laughs> that makes sense. We know Daviel. We've worked with, with them. And it, it, that makes a lot of sense with the kind of patina. It has that very New Orleans, very queer, very cabaret, mm-hmm. but also filmic patina to it that really works. Well, yeah. and it's it's interesting that it has the essence of the party without it being high adrenaline. Mm-hmm. So you were describing kind of where you're coming from and where you're going. And I do think it has that there's a little bit of an intimate quality mm-hmm. to it. Yep. And that's where I think, you know, you're describing that you want to have this through line of still having an integration with community and I mean, our community does party, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, artists, queers, like that is a big part of it. And so I think a lot of creatives really struggle when they step, take like one step back from the high adrenaline stuff, whether that's like drugs and alcohol or adventure seeking. I mean, you've done so much world travel. Mm -hmm. So it is interesting, this idea of you being grounded in a place that's so rooted in a rich artist's history, but while you're also just uh, going through a real personal evolution. But interesting, my niece was like, can I bring a friend? And I was like, we, we can't afford to pay anybody else, but, you know, but she's like, no, but I would just feel more comfortable if I brought my friends her friend Sierra, who, which of course in the end, like mm. all women mm. should be paid. So I paid, <laughs> I paid her. <laughs> but I was like, sure, I just wanted my niece to be comfortable. She's also a creative, you know, but they perform together and it was kind of magical because if I kind of historically just look back on like our days of performing, like yeah. me and Robin, it really felt like in casting her as my younger self, that mm. that collaboration of that was there. So it was really nice mm. to watch them and their intimacy just as friends and their laughter in between takes and their nervousness and, you know, all of the things that come with being young, but being super talented and yeah. full of potential. So it was it was really cute to to watch them. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love that too. <laughs> How do you think that your process and your music making and your art making is changing? I mean, your it your sound is evolving for sure, but how is being in New Orleans, how is making art shifting for you? Uh, that's a good question. Being back here is so, it's like calming. Like as soon as the plane lands, I'm at home. Like when I walk out of my house, there's music. Mm. There's music all the time. It's just very comforting, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so easy. It's easy to be a working musician here. I'm just working on songwriting in general, just as my musical direction. I actually have, I've been studying uh, other people's like work, right? Who are really popular. I'm not going to say who it is because it's going to give it away, but I have an unexpected cover song coming out (laughs) of someone who I was like, "Mm, I don't know. And then I started listening to her music and then I was like, and then I was like, are you a Swifty? I was going to say, I was like, she's such a great songwriter. Okay. So I'm curious about how you're reconnecting with your roots in Louisiana and that rich musical history. Is it working its way into your musical musings right now into your songwriting? Like what are some of the Cajun influences? Are you tapping into them? I think it's going to start to show visually in my work versus sonically, Mm -hmm. because I want to take it more into 
dare I say, a pop element, like out of sort of like this dark wave space that I'm so drawn to. And I, yeah. if I try and do something super intentionally, I'm going to fail because it'll lose that feeling. But I'm feeling like I want a little pop in my life, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to take it. You want to feel direction. better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as a musician and as a bass player, which I played bass for I don't know, 30 years or something, a very long time. Like here, I'm going to do a lot of jazz, which I'm really excited about. Like in LA, so I'm still going back forth to LA. I have, you know, a punk band, which is rad, eight gender, which I love playing with. Um, But here I'm going to do a lot of jazz stuff in that. Mm -hmm. But for my own projects, I think you're going to see it visually a lot. Um, So I've made some friends here who are artists and creatives and we will be filming on the Bayou like I said, uh, all of my family is going to be involved in my work at, in a little way or another. But my mom has, has died um, a while ago. But there's an alligator nearby. My mom's name was Sally, named Sally. And she's, and Sally, the alligator, has been uh, is 67 years old and is a family pet. And so I'm going over to Ponchatoula with my dad to meet Sally, the alligator. And then I'm going to, you know, I'll be performing with her (laughs) this is a family member's pet yeah wait one of your family members owns his pet no not 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 personally my family member but another family has their pet alligator named sally wow a 67 year old alligator i feel like you got to get some sounds out of that alligator like don't they make like a deep kind of back of the throat kind of sound Mm -hmm. like i a little yeah. bit of singing from Sally, you know. <laughs> You're going to see a lot of bayou imagery. You're going to see um, some alligators and some swamp rats and things like that, which I'm excited to I mean, to work we with. all love that aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> New Orleans has its aesthetic down, that's for sure. I have not been to New Orleans, um, <laughs> but I am curious because most of the places that I visit that I haven't been to for a long time, I feel like are taking on the character of like, you know, corporate city, mm-hmm. 753, you know, like the character of London is kind of being stripped out of it. Is New Orleans retaining that quality that it's always, I mean, there's such a witchiness and a mm-hmm. rich history there. Um, what's been your experience going back? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, going back, it's nice to see much more like open and queerness. And mm-hmm. I mean, New Orleans always had that, but now so much more. So it, we're we're 20 years behind, but there's no Starbucks. Like I would have to drive far to get to something bigger. So there's there are like, Chipotle's on every corner. No. So there's like quaint <laughs> coffee great. shops and there's no law here. You know, like people just, there's, this is the right way or the wrong way of the street and people are going to drive wherever. If you Mm -hmm. can't find a parking spot, you can just park on the median. Like I want a four way stop at my stop because cars come through and I have this like indoor outdoor cat now. And I just ordered stop signs online and in the middle of the night, I'm just going to put them up and the city won't know that they didn't put up a four way stop. Like, <laughs> and the people aren't going to stop anyway. So, casual whether they no, do no. or not. So, but like, you'll have done something. <laughs> I'm going to try. Yeah. I oh, that. I love it. So, where can um, where can people find you, and what do you have coming up? Well, you can find uh, my newest stuff at sheherser.com, and from there, like everything's on uh, streaming music platforms, and there's links to all my social media. And then also, too, um, I love my band, Agender, in, in L.A., and we have a bunch of shows coming up. But I, there's going to be a, a lot of stuff coming out in the new year. Follow on Spotify to see all the new stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And you can listen to She, Her, Sir at the top of every Fuck Yeah episode. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, it's coming up. <laughs> we like to leave our guests with an affirmation as a thank you for your time. I mean, and in this case, so much more that you've brought to the podcast. Okay, this is what the deck has for you. Trust yourself because you are a total badass. Fuck yeah. Accurate. (laughs) Sounds accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, boo. All right. Thank y'all. Hope to see you soon. That was so nice 
to see Sir. It feels like it's been a long time and I love kind of steeping in her process and her new, like getting some insight into her new life in New Orleans. Yeah. I want to just step outside my door and hear music surrounding me. It sounds like a queer artist utopia. Yeah, she was, she had COVID a little while ago and was like, I'm at home in COVID, but look, there's a parade going on outside and sent me a video of just like this incredible music and people just genuinely enjoying themselves walking down the street. Yeah, what a magical place. I'm sad that she's not in my daily kind of life in Los Angeles anymore, but it is really nice to see her music evolve and her self evolve and her kind of returning to Louisiana. We're of this age, I think, where a lot of healing happens, especially around our childhoods and stuff like that. We have more perspective and more lived experience to understand ourselves better. And for her to go back to a place that is so meaningful and lush and delicious, but also carried a lot of pain for her to come back as a self-actualized fucking queer, weirdo, talented musician and to find community in that space again. I think she's she's really reconciling with all of that, with her personal history. And yeah, it makes me think like, is there I mean, not that, of course, some people any person who's experienced trauma, um, and I'm going to speak to like the queer community specifically, like sometimes you just have to cut certain things out of your life. Yeah. But to have the opportunity to like do what you need to protect yourself and get away, Mm -hmm. but then to go through a transformation where you have a homecoming. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that that is something that a lot of queer people don't have and don't get especially coming from, you know, who don't stay in the rural South or whatever, who, who get out. We don't all get that. We don't all yeah. get to go back and form a new relationship and, with that place. And mm-hmm. I think about like, you know, my family is originally from Texas, mm-hmm. but when I go back to Texas, like I don't know how to explain to people the dissonance that exists mm-hmm. in the way that I have such a um, an ideological battle with the place. Yeah. And yet also feel so like a homecoming. Mm-hmm. And when I get to see my family that still lives there, like we live very different lives. We have mm-hmm. very different worldviews and like still having them in my life and the opportunity when I get to go visit them is it feels so nourishing to me. Yeah, And there's just a thing about that place that no other place will ever be that to me. And yeah. yet like when I'm not there, I'm just like, fuck that place. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. so terrible, but it ha- but it still like has these like deep kind of roots and tendrils within my spirit that get nourished and watered when I'm there. Well, because we have adult relationships with these places now and we had child relationships with them then. So we're remembering the things that we loved as kids, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> oh. I have a segment for you inspired by you and Sir's relationship. Oh. Let's call it uh, The More You Fucking Know. The More You Fucking Know. I have said this many times on the podcast. I have finished my sex educator certification. And there were a few things from that program, from the curriculum that really stood out. And one that has continued to um, not boggle my mind, but that I just reflect on of like, gosh, I have not had a very expansive lens around attraction. Hmm. Do you know that there are many forms of attraction? You know, I don't, I don't, I couldn't say that I know that, but now that you say it, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, right. I mean, I like, I was thinking about it right after taking the class, I thought about it, and someone that popped up in my mind is my really good friend, Kat of Wide Eyes, Mm -hmm. Open Palms, and Long Beach, and realizing like, 
I have always been platonic with friends. Like I've been very traditional in the sense of like intimacy is reserved for romantic relationships Mm -hmm. and like different forms of intimacy are reserved for platonic relationships. And so this segment of the curriculum challenged me a touch because it's like, no, no, you are attracted to all of the people that you have Mm -hmm. in your life. Hmm. There's just different kinds of attraction. So the common ones that we talk about are romantic attraction Mm -hmm. and sexual attraction, but Mm -hmm. those two are distinct. Mm -hmm. Physical attraction. How is physical attraction different? Being attracted to someone sexually means you want to engage in sex with them. Okay. Being attracted to someone physically. And that also was, that was permission giving to me of like, oh yeah, there are definitely people I'm physically attracted to who I don't necessarily want to have sex with where I'm like, oh, I love your muscles or your hair is amazing or like, you know, what great cheekbones or, you know, I think of this in terms of men. I have physical attraction to cis men. I am not at this point in my life, I'm not really attracted to men sexually or romantic. Right. But physically, there's times. But physically, yeah, I see men and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I can appreciate. Yeah. So I have, I think, physical attraction towards, and this is going to be a little controversial. Okay. Right? Give it to but me. But I would love listeners, if anybody agrees with me and has these feelings <laughs> too, please write in and tell me I'm not alone. But I have physical attraction to certain animals. Oh, say more. I have physical attraction towards a lot of horses. I find horses mm-hmm. beautiful. I do not want to fuck them, but I look at their bodies and I'm like, you are banging. You know a what I mean? Like, beast. yeah, a beautiful be. And there's like me. I, I feel like if I was a horse, I'd probably want to have sex with them. It's not that there's non-sexual. It's just that I wouldn't ever and I would never that's outside of consent you know I can't a horse can't consent to any kind of activity I would never touch an animal sexually and I don't fantasize about it it's not like a masturbating thing about horses but when I see a beautiful fucking horse I'm like I see you're fucking hot you're hot fucking horse look at you you know and I feel that way sometimes about gorillas there's certain gorillas like look at the guns on that dude okay (laughs) And I will admit, I told this to Pony recently, I have a crush on Pony's dog, Butch, who is a little tiny wiener dog, the little dachshund. That dog, first of all, when that dog looks up at me with those big eyes and the long nose, I just want to, there's some, I want to, it's a different from acuteness. There's some, I'm like, I think I have like a crush on your dog, you know? (laughs) I do not want to have sex with your dog, but there's something that dog gives me the eyes and it and it sends butterflies in my stomach, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this. Well, this is so great because you already have an expansive relationship to attraction. <laughs> I am like, as per usual, one step behind yeah, you. Write in and tell us this, you know, outside of humans, hot animals, I want to know. And then there's aesthetic attraction. Hmm. So like, appreciating someone's aesthetic, how they wear their clothes, their style, how they do their makeup, their haircut. Yeah. All of those are distinct. Spiritual attraction, sensual attraction is another one. And again, distinct from sexual. Yeah. Like you have certain people you just want to bear hug or you want to like curl up into yeah, And that the fact that we've like painted all of this with this big brush of sexual and romantic yeah. attraction is really unfortunate. So then here were the two that I was like, whoa. Okay. Platonic okay. and queer platonic attraction. Huh. So the fact that those are distinct, I was just like, yes, this is such good information that I have because I have certain I'm no other gay people have experienced this where you have that really intimate platonic relationship for me I had them with women before I realized I was gay like Mm -hmm. sex never entered into the relationship at all in my mind but there was like I was drawn to people who I wanted to be close to Mm -hmm. 
We had really close, intimate relationships, and there was never any like sexual expression or, you know, partnership there. Mm -hmm. But you're just like drawn to certain friendships. Mm -hmm. Now, queer platonic attraction is slightly different in that you have an attraction to somebody non-sexual, non-romantic, and you also want to make and build things together. Whether Mm. this is the queer compound, Mm. you want to co-parent together. Mm. You want to create a podcast (laughs) together. (laughs) You want to, you know, uh, develop an art collective together. Sherry Rose and Martin O'Brien, they want to do... Uh, CBT for the sake of art together. So this like idea of queer platonic attraction being this like intimate friendship relationship, but you being drawn to people and being like, we are meant to do bigger things together. Hmm. And that's distinctly queer. Yes. Do you think straight people don't do that? I think that it is totally possible for straight people to experience queer platonic attraction and platonic attraction. I think whether you can deprogram from compulsory heteronormativity to allow yourself to explore those kinds of relationships. But I think you definitely see that in feminist circles, in like art circles. Like I think Mm -hmm. that this shows up in the world, but I loved naming it. Yeah. No, I see why it's queer now. It's outside of that heteronormativity. Yeah. That requires us to behave certain ways in relationship to each other. Well, and the distinction between the platonic being like intimate friendship yeah. versus like, okay, this is there's going to be intimacy here. And we're also going to work towards a common goal. It's like community building at the same time. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Part of the attraction with Sir and I is partly that um, aesthetic thing, the platonic thing, Mm -hmm. the queer thing, but it's also seeing yourself in somebody else. Sir has been the most self-reflecting person to me. And I feel like her her and I do a little bit of twinning. We're not doing it as much as we used to, but I think when we were super, super tight, we were kind of two of the same person going out. We had our very strong distinctions and everything, but there was... A self-love involved also. And that feels very queer to me as well. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we've centered romantic relationships for so long as part of this heteronormative kind of expectation mm-hmm. and to put importance and value in other kinds of relationships also not only takes pressure off of your romantic relationships if you have them, but just spreads the love in so many different kinds of ways and and puts it so we're just not always so dependent on this one person to give us everything which is impossible yeah it's very empowering to be able to put love and trust in in many people in your lives mm-hmm. that you're attracted to for a variety of reasons yes absolutely yeah. for anyone who this resonates with like this i think is really indicative of the expansive framework of the curriculum of the everyone deserves sex ed Mm. sex educator certification it's run by ann hottership and in my opinion it is really like the most progressive and thorough sex educator training that's out there well we did it again as always what a pleasure Mm -hmm. And you can find us on the socials at fuckyapod or email us at fyapod at gmail.com. And make sure to leave us a rating and review. And we hope everyone has a fabulous new year. Fuck Yeah Podcast is hosted and produced by Robin Jennings and Sarah Tom Chesson, a.k.a. my mom. Theme music is by She, Her, Sir. Segments are voiced by Kristen Smith-Davis. If you're enjoying the pod, please subscribe and leave us a rating or review. 
And don't forget to share with a friend. You can email us at fyapod at gmail.com or follow us on TikTok or Instagram at fuckyapod. Thanks for tuning in.